podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a post-match pint in association with Purity Ale. If you want to get 20% off everything Purity have to offer, use the code hashtag VillaView and it'll get you 20% off everything that Purity have. I'm Dan Bardell here with Neil Dunworth to talk through Aston Villa 2, Leicester City 4. Bizarre score, not the kind of score I was expecting to be introducing today. Neil being overlooked by Snoopy the dog. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a couple of cartoonish goals that we conceded. All right, it really was. But uh, yeah, I think I'm okay. I it, like, yeah, it was. It, it it looked very much like a team that were still learning and um, uh, couldn't couldn't change on the fly, if that makes sense. Um, in the middle of the game, and we conceded, you know, some very very poor goals, and I'm sure we'll get onto it in a moment. Yeah, you say about like learning on the job. I felt like we didn't learn very much on the job because yeah. we made so many mistakes, and you can't make that many mistakes at that level and expect to, to not get punished. Even though Leicester are near near the lower end of, of the table, any team in the Premier League, if you gift them goals, will probably take the opportunity. Except for Leeds, probably at the moment because they can't score to save their lives. But Villa, I didn't think we were bad. I didn't think we were brilliant either, but you cannot defend like that at the highest level without getting punished, as I say. And despite a good start, again, attacking the whole 10 first half, scoring early goal, that must be the fourth or fifth time now that Villa have scored an early goal, attacking the whole 10 first. But unfortunately, this time now, it wasn't built upon. But yeah, I mean, I suppose we start with that with that first goal. Ollie Watkins, Villa were playing some nice intricate stuff at, at, at that point. The ball comes out to Buendia on his left foot. He has a lovely, lovely shot off the underside of the bar. And Watkins, in fairness, in, instinctive strikers predatory. I thought, I thought he took that goal really well and reacted really quickly, which was pleasing to see. Yeah, because it's been one of the things that this season he hasn't done. There's been a couple of opportunities where he hasn't gambled to get on the end of crosses or he hasn't chased things in. And since Unai Emery has come in, We've seen him do that much a lot more. He did it against Spurs when when Hugo Lloris spilled the ball, and he's done it again at the weekend. And you know, <clears throat> if he can pad his goals out because <clears throat> he never he's never been or he's never going to be that striker. It's going to pick the ball up outside the area, skin two people, and smack one in from twenty five yards. He's going to need to pad his numbers by getting those dirty goals and getting those ones where he gets across the defender or gets on the end of a. Um, of, of a spill ball and, and he needs to kind of turn himself into a Filippo Inzaghi type type striker you know one of those guys that's just always there in the mud and the dirt ready to kick the ball in because sometimes he's that guy that, that when he's got too much time it doesn't work out for him and uh, I'm glad I thought it was a pretty decent finish as well um, to be able to get that ball in at such short notice when it came across to him yeah, I'd describe it as a as a smart finish not again as I say mm. not a nice little bit of play from Villa building in the kind of crowd that box in midfield, when they're when they're attacking, in terms of the wide players come up, come up inside. I think Ramsey was somewhere on the scene. I don't think he was involved in the goal, but he come very central for, for that goal as well. And Watkins follows up and puts Villa one ahead. And you think, right, great. When we've scored these early goals, we've gone on to win the game. Unfortunately, three minutes later, try and dissect this because it, you know it, it's a, it's a bad one. The plan out from the back. Look, it's going to, there's going to be people that absolutely hate it and that will do nothing but complain about it. And in fairness to them, yesterday, 
he's probably got a little bit of a right to have a moan because we it didn't work for us. We we didn't come out the good side of it. Mm. I say it's the defenders that usually we get nervous about playing out playing out from the back. Not not I say we. I talk about the Villa Villa fan base, a certain section of them. Yeah, it seems to be when the ball comes into the in the central midfield that we seem to be having the problem because that's now Luis, Dendonka and Kamara who've been pickpocketed mm-hmm. and we've conceded goals. So the mistakes for these kind of goals from playing out the back haven't come from the centre-back. My first question to you would be, should Martinez play, play the pass? But then I guess Kamara's there looking for it. So Emi Martinez would say mm-hmm. that's part of the plan, that's part of the setup. But it did seem a little bit too dangerous. Yeah, um, the still shots. So in in the moment, I didn't see. I I, I thought, okay, it's okay to play the Camara because we've seen that a couple of times before, and it's not been a big issue. And when you see the see the still shots afterwards, and you see how much easier the other passes were that Martinez had on, it was like you're like looking at it, going, "What were you thinking?" But the funny thing is, we would have been in a better position if Bubakar Camara had let that ball even just go through his legs. The fact that he stopped it and where he stopped it. And the same with Leandro Dundonker when he had that ball at the edge of his area. He would have been better letting the ball run through his legs because at least at that stage, he could turn around and face up the guy striking the ball. Whereas when he gets dispossessed, it's a one-on-one and it's, it's, it's a, it should be a goal at every single time unless uh, Emmy Martinez channels his save from the World Cup final. But um, I think, you know, Kamara needs to do better. He needs to do better in that instance um, as well. I think that, you know, with the setup of the players there, there should be this fail-safe as well when if he does receive that ball, then he knows that he just chips it out to the wing. You see how wide Ashley Young was. You see how wide uh, Luca Dean was. You know, a, a chip pass out to the wing there. Direct, as the ball comes to him, he just plays it straight away. It doesn't even take a touch. It's less dangerous if you if you feel that there's going to be three players converging on you and they got they pressed him really, really quickly. So I think my, my <coughs> snaps this morning was... <coughs> Sorry, in case I die right. live on camera. Um, <coughs> my synopsis was that uh, Kamara should have done better, but looking at where the rest of the players were situated, um, the risk wasn't worth the reward. And I think a pass out to Ashley Young, I, I, I think regardless of who was given the ball, whether it was Martinez's initial pass or when Kamara gets the ball, I think the ball out to Ashley Young was the ball because he looked like he was primed and ready to, and he had acres in front of him. So um, it's a bit of a calamity of, of, of a lot of reasons, I think. I think the thing I find most frustrating about it, weirdly, is not the fact he got pickpocketed. It's more the fact that they converged on him and I kind of felt like he got himself out of it and then he tried yeah. it again. Yeah. So he, he, yeah. he went he went that extra time. He, it was almost like he didn't learn straight away from that first time. Oh, oh, I've nearly given the ball away there. And then he tried to do it again and, and, and got robbed. And then after that, you know, as you say, Le- Leicester should score. They nearly make, make a mess of it. I mean... One of the wildest slides I've ever seen from Esri Concer. He, he nearly ended up in the in the Dugali stand. He went absolutely, or the Trinity, I can't remember which way it was, but he he dives in to try and block it, Go, goes absolutely flying. And that, that they took it just past Mings. Of course, it, it was James Madison who's barely played over the last month mm. or so. Of course, he's he's back just in time to play against Villa. He puts it in. It, it, it's 1-1. But the Villa, to be fair, yeah, I, don't, I didn't think we were... The, I didn't think we sunk, but I didn't think we we were quite the same after we made that mistake. It almost made us a, a little bit nervy when we were on the ball. We weren't popping the ball around mm. as as well as we were at the start of the game. Watkins had that chance where it was probably easier to score. I don't know how it's not even just hit him and gone in. So, 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 so there are. Just... 
I'm a lot more empathetic to him in that one because okay. the keeper gets no, I'm not going to hit him. I just can't believe it hasn't just hit him and gone in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, by lots of averages, you know. Yeah, just, yeah, you feel like it should just hit him and, and go in. But somehow it, it does. And it does take, I think it does take a nick on the way through. You, you're right as well. And, you know, he, he well, hasn't. People get a full hand to it and pushes yeah. it out to his back leg well, yeah. from Ebert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it not hit him and go in? So you sat there yeah. thinking, bloody hell, we never, we never score a scrappy goal. We never get lucky. We never get any luck. And then a few minutes later, Watkins puts a cross in on his left foot, hits Suter, wrong foot to Danny Ward, and, and we're 2 1 up. Completely forgot to talk about something I wanted to talk about. Kind of Watkins' celebrations. So for the first goal, he kind of gave it the the calm, don't worry, I'm the striker. I've got this. And it got me back thinking about the first season when he was pretty much our, our only striker. He had no real competition. And he shouldered that responsibility well. It was almost like Danny Ings being there and settled him a little bit. Now, I think both of them tried to make that partnership work. And when they're on the pitch at the same time, they tried to make it work. But I almost feel like Watkins is more comfortable makes him a better player knowing that he he is the starter that he's the guaranteed number nine if that if that makes sense your celebration of that first one kind of said calm i'm here this is i can i can do this believe in me that's what i read into it i could be completely wrong i i i genuinely think part of his child took uh, has has uh, had an effect on him over the last couple of uh last few months even you look at, at stuff like that like like things getting away like um that that picture of him on social media sleeping in the cot with the kid you know there's times that there's times that. where you just you did you not see that no, and i, I think I, th- I think it's very endearing and, I, and like any, any father would do it if you're up all night if the child is screaming or whatever and if you get into the cot you have to get into the cot and 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 uh calm the child down and he's uh his partner or his wife or whatever she is um took a video of them on the monitor and uh put it up on her social media ah, um but seen. little things like that you know can and and can, can set the guy but you know i suppose on the other side of it he's a professional as well and he's not the only guy who's ever had a chick had a kid and uh and played professional football either but you, what so I, I just put that in tangentially you know but I think you could be right. I think there was probably an understanding between Danny Ings and, and, and Ali Watkins that they wanted to make it work. They know each other. They know the game of football. They probably knew that they weren't going to be able to make it work. You know, two up top wasn't working. Steven Gerrard wasn't going to play, wasn't uh, wasn't the man for the job. And uh, when Una Emery comes in, they're not the two guys that are being played up front. And um, you there could be something in that that bringing in another striker could unsettle him. But... At the end of the day, he's got no right to want to only be the only the only striker at the club either, because, considering he's a converted forward. So Villa are going to bring somebody in, and if Danny yeah, Ings unsettled him, if Danny Ings unsettled him, uh, the next striker might come in and unsettle him, and and, and that's something he needs to get over. Um, but I'm delighted, like as I say, I'm not an anti Ali Watkins man. I don't think Ali Watkins is poor. I have him in my team. I have him in my team, um, even if Danny Ings is here. Um, if you play the two of them together, I just think that. Uh, like Ollie Watkins, and it's funny because I've been looking at a lot of the numbers and I've, I've got a podcast I'm going to bring up maybe next week. Um, a lot of the numbers that they have, when you adjust them obviously for 90 minutes and you adjust them for the for, for sample sets with regards to percentages, they're very similar. Like as in, like a lot of people say, oh, Ollie Watkins misses more chances. Danny Ings missed, percentage-wise, Danny Ings missed the same percentage of chances in a yeah, given surprise than Ollie Watkins. So it, it's like, I'm not going to say that eyes and minds play tricks on people, but I suppose you have to be fair to somebody when you're making a judgment on them too. 
And uh, while I would have kept that Danny Ings around as well, and I would love to have him in the squad, um, if Ollie Watkins is unsettled by having, the, by having the spectre of another striker there, that's something he needs to get over. But he doesn't have that other striker other than John Duran now, and I hope he goes and gets double, double figures for Villa again for the third season in a row and uh, ends up our top scorer because uh, I think that he's a very useful player. Yeah, and then, you know, it's four, we get to the 40th minute and Villa are 2-1 up. You get to the get to half time whistle. Villa are three two down. Peak Villa there. You, you know you wouldn't have expected that on on forty minutes. Like I said, I don't think we were playing as well as we did at the start of the game, or we have done perhaps in some away games. But I thought we were okay. I felt like we were relatively in in control of the game. And Leicester have an attack down the left hand side. Mings cuts out the the initial cross, and then the ball ends up coming coming back in eventually. I think it's not great from Mings and not great from Luca Dean either from from watching the goal back today. Iganacho only gets dragged yeah. out against Villa. Only plays against Villa. Always scores against us. He, he must have scored more goals against Villa than anyone else. In fact, I think we said in the yeah. show on uh, Friday with Stutter that, that that's yeah. the case. Mings kind of gets the first clearance, does very well with the, with the first clearance. Ball comes in and he's just not, he's watching the ball, Mings. And Luca Dean's looking at completely the wrong man and not, and not tucking in, in my opinion, from, from, from watching that, from watching that back and, for him to be completely on Mar to head home, he's he's not going to miss that again. Actually, there's not he's not offside. Villa were looking for an offside that there wasn't one, and it's just it was a, a poor goal. That's the kind of thing that Mings, I feel, has has cut out had cut out of his, of his game. Not really been aware of what of what's behind. It. He did have a little look as well, but didn't really adapt his position. And as I say, Luca Dean, he's looking at complete looking at a man who's already taken doesn't see the danger, isn't alert to the danger, and doesn't bring himself inside. And it's it's a poor goal and you're level and you've, you've, you know, you've given Leicester a chance and they've got the tails up. There's a reason Luca Dean was taken off at halftime and it was because... Think it was that? I, I, I think it was that and I think it was the next goal. I think, I think that Luca Dean it was like... After the Liverpool game, I was critical of Luca Dean's defending specifically with regards to Salah's goal and the goal of Virgil van Dijk scored because I think that he just doesn't have that ability to be able to turn on... Um, his radar when he's in the box. He lost Salah's run for Salah's goal. Yes, it was a super cross. And but you know you check him out there. You but you you stand in his way. You don't let him run. Dina lost him off the shoulder. And then for the goal for Virgil Van Dijk, Dina is too busy marking Salah, and the ball is going out of play. And Dina keeps it in with a header, and it drops to. Um, I think it actually drops the Salah who feeds it out to Virgil Van Dijk, who blasts it into the back of the net. And consequently, then we look at this game again here. Luca Dean doesn't communicate or doesn't doesn't take a gamble and track and track Ian Acho. He should have. He knows the distance between himself and Mings. It becomes his man in that instance there, specifically when it's the main striker. He doesn't go to him and he and he doesn't he doesn't take him. The communication looked all off between the back four all all um all game. Were you and... surprised he changed the back four? Because I I've got to be honest, I, I'd have kept Moran. It's easy with hindsight, but Morano to me looks better both ways, in my opinion, at yeah. the moment. I think so too. Now Moreno obviously has a holder for the fourth goal, um, yeah, as well. but, but but like the net positive there with, with Moreno was we look way better going forward with him. And you know Luke yeah. Dean, big reason that people are very are very high in Luke Dean. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going in two footed on him. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Moreno and Dean playing on that wing with Moreno behind Dean. If you want to play Dean as a left winger, go for it. Have at it. Let him cross the ball in all he wants. Um, I've no problem with that, and I, I I don't want Luca Dean sold or anything like that. But he was not having a good game, and uh, the substitution was the right one, I think, in, in that instance. But I was surprised that he that he changed it up, um, and I think probably the reason that he 
that he did was because um, just because Luca Dean had a better understanding with the back four. And as we saw there, when the communication isn't right, um, the back four doesn't tend to doesn't tend to 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 get to get it right on the night. And the communication was all off for the first forty five minutes for sure. And minutes as well because that fourth goal wasn't wasn't anything to write home about either. Yeah, I mean, you said you don't want to go two footed in Luca Dean, and I'm not doing that either. But I, do you think questions are starting to emerge for him? He had a decent spell towards the back end of last season where he got a few got a few assists and was involved in in a couple of goals. But overall, for what we paid for him, Villa haven't had a return on their their investment at all. And the fact that we have had to bring in another left back probably tells you everything that you that that you need to know. I just there's a better player in there somewhere, but Villa Villa haven't unlocked it at the moment. At the moment, for that for that fee. I would say Everton have had our pants down. I, I just don't think he's contributing enough either way. You could almost forgive the defensive sloppiness if he was providing assists and was a, a constant outlet out out wide. But you know, just much of a muchness from him. Though I'm, I'm not. He's not there having horrific games. He's no, not no, impact, no, he's not impacting the game going forward at all. And he's culpable at times. I think for a bit of defensive naivety, positioning wise, for me. So I think at the moment with that transfer, has he been a massive upgrade on target? I wouldn't say so. And again, I don't. I don't want to hammer. I don't want to hammer the guy. But I just. I think realistically, I don't think he's done it. Other than score a free kick against Manchester United, I don't think he's done anything that Matt Target wouldn't have done. In in fairness, he hasn't. He hasn't been that big upgrade that I thought he'd be. And I'm. I'm just a little bit un- underwhelmed by him. I did the same. Alfie's reef. I predicted that. Shows how, how good predictions are. I predicted Luka Dendi Player of the Year this season. God knows how I've had any form of media career with with, with, with predictions like, like that, and I just I, I've always liked him as a player, but watching yeah. him every week at Villa, I'm just I'm not seeing it. I want to, but I'm not seeing it now. Yeah, the, the, as I say, the the one thing that annoys me, I, I'm not actually too annoyed with his defensive ability in in the main. Yeah, I think I, he, I'm commits, he commits to he commits too high up the field, but. As I said, the big thing is he doesn't know how to track runners. Or if he does, he doesn't do it diligently enough. He's 30 years of age now, and maybe that might have something to do with it. Like everybody, like Father Time knocks on everybody's door at different ages. Some, like you see Ashley Young on the other side of the field, um, doesn't it looks like Father, Father, Father Time forgot his address. But, you know, maybe players are slowing up a bit a, a, a bit earlier. Maybe Luca Dean has had, like he's had some injury histories in the past. Maybe it's just all catching up with him at the moment. But, I do, I think there's still like obviously he's got to comp- he's gonna got to contribute an awful lot for Aston Villa over the course of the rest of the season. And uh, as I say, it, this isn't the case of get him gone, get him out of my no. club or anything like that. It's just he needs to brush up on those intricacies. So when somebody gets on his shoulder or when he sees somebody making a run, he needs to to take take responsibility. Like he was club captain, he was or not club captain, but he was captain for Everton. He was for in the time. leadership but, group, yeah. Yeah, he was in the leadership group, and I think he's in our leadership group as well. You know, so. That's what I expect you know leaders to do is to take that gamble and and to try and try and you know track track runs in the box, I think is probably the biggest thing. But and, and it's difficult because strikers are really good at that movement in the box, but I just expect more effort from him in that instance in that instance as well. And like as I say, if he starts against Man City at left back, I've no problem. I'll cheer him on. I'll really support him. I've no problem with him starting in the team. But when things go wrong for him like that. They tend to get shown up again and again in that game. And, and does he have the, the ability to to recover from stuff like that? I just want to see that in him as well. 
it's just awareness. That's the bit William, that gets me in at the moment. The way Emery sets up with the right back to like in and the, and the left backs. Yeah. You there? Can you hear me? No? Yes? No? No? Okay, I'll just say what I was going to say anyway and hope that Neil comes back. So the way Emery sets up oh, at the moment. I think I've lost all you guys. Okay. Well, we can hear you. So that's, that's not going to make a very good show, though. Neil obviously has bodged his setup today and he's uh, just come on. He might have to come off and come on you might have to message him adam producer and i'll pad in the meantime say what i was going to say oh you can hear me again no, no? Okay. you got me now yeah i can hear you again yeah, yeah i can hear you again i mean all kinds of communication issues here this is like villa's defense all over <laughs> from yesterday here so what i was going to say was the right back tucks in in emery system the left back plays really high up which is fine when you're moreno has got a bit of pace but when you look at dean you've got to be able to get back in and i don't think he's got the mobility to get back in you know sometimes when when club when fans and players and clubs you'll say they sold that player at the right time mm. at the moment i think everton may have done that they may have just about pure luck because everton are terribly run i think they might have sold him at the at, at the right time because he's not the player he was a few seasons ago look at but happy to be proved wrong hopefully he, do, he does prove me wrong it's just the, the awareness at the moment defensively it's, i just and, don't think it's there and it's the thing then as well look you see <clears throat> it becomes harder to justify when both of your top earners in Luca Dean, who's apparently on 160, 160k a week, and uh, Philippe Coutinho, and Danny Ings was our next highest earner. When the three of those guys are the guys that you're kind of looking at, and they're 30 and above, wrong side of it, or catching the wrong side of it, you know, does it becomes less and less, um, uh, you become less and less able to carry that kind of stuff, you know, as well. So when the, when the determination on those players is coming, it comes from the balance sheet, as well as the play on the field. And as you say, Lucadin still has a lot in the tank, but um, I think that you know the, the the club won't be able to grin and bear 160k a week and a 26 odd million transfer outlay on a player that's that that, that may look like they're in decline. But as I say, we're, we're not going in two footed on him. It's becoming more in depth conversation. Inadvertently, I think we are. Inadvertently, I think we have done a little bit. Well, I I don't want to come across that way because as I say. My biggest, my biggest thing with him is just tracking of runners, and 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 it's difficult to do. But you know, if he needs to, if he needs to practice it, he needs to practice it. And um, it, it was actually, like it was the reason that we conceded two of the goals. I firmly believe the Tete goal was another one, uh, the third goal. Um, I think that comes from Luca Dean's side. Luca Dean lets him run and drift across, and there was absolutely no attempt to get in his way. Even you know, you get in players' ways when they're, you know, where they're going. And, and and there was no attempt to do that either. So, um, but look, as I, as I say, if he starts against Manchester City, I'll I'll cheer him to the rafters because he's a he's a, he's a good player. He was he should have been in the in the French squad only for injury this season uh, for the World Cup. So um, you know, it's just nuance the nuance that nuance of his game. I think he needs to. Up. Yeah, I just want to say more. Like you say, you've laid, you've listed a load of reasons there why we should expect more. And I'm, I'm not saying it at the moment, and, and I'd like to. But as I, as I say, I'm not hammering him. Just asking some questions because of these things that concern me. Within that third goal, I didn't put as much blame on him as perhaps you, but it is the same kind of combination. It's a completely different type of goal, but you're kind of looking at it's like a mashup of the first two goals, isn't it? Because Kamara gets caught on the board in the middle of the park, and then you feel like Mings and Luca Dean aren't really aware of what's going on around them, perhaps, and Tete darts in. I, and this is going to might sound a little bit harsh, I don't mean it to. I would look at Martinez for that third goal and maybe not 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 blaming him, but I think he comes flying out. I think that makes up Teddy's mind for him. If he holds his ground a little bit, 
the option to go around him just, just isn't there. But Martinez comes flying out, gets absolutely nowhere near it. Teddy rounds him and, and he scores. You know, Martinez isn't culpable for the ball getting through to him. A lot's happened wrong for it to get mm. through to Martinez. But Martinez kind of said something himself after the game that he shouldered a little bit of the blame. And I, wonder, I do wonder whether he looks back at that third goal and thinks, I was too rash there. I was too quick coming out. I don't think there's any need for him to come, to come flying out at that point. As soon as you do that, you completely make up the mind of the attacking player and Teddy's easily gone round him because Martinez is absolutely nowhere near wiping him out or getting the ball. And they, and, and they score. So it's accumulation of things before it gets to Martinez. It's just again, and again, you know, we've gifted them a goal. Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure that Camaro wasn't fouled in the build-up of that. Um, I haven't I seen it back to now. I watched Match of the Day, but I don't, I don't know. They didn't show any replays of it for me to... I, I, if that had been given, if that had been given against us, we'd be saying it was soft. Well, yeah, well, there was one given against us against Southampton that we weren't saying was soft, you know. But um, I, I, yeah, I can see what you mean by the, by the Martinez stuff um, there, and and like one of the, you know, you said you said you've been proven wrong with your predictions and stuff like that uh, recently, and uh, like I, I was terrified of Tete because I'd done a bit of a bit of a study on him. And I knew he was out there and he was open to, and willing to come to the Premier League. And there was about five or, or maybe even six Premier League teams trying to sign him. And he ended up signing at Leicester. Leicester probably just jumped on it quicker, probably put the, put the money on the table. And well, I think a lot of... Their uh, head of recruitment was at Southampton and tried to sign him at Southampton. Yeah. So he's moved over to Leicester. This is his first window. He's been active and been able to work. So he's got his fingerprints all, all over it. I think Glover's, Glover's and... his name, the head of recruitment. Yeah, and, 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 and I think a lot of teams were trying to sign him on a, on a full deal, but Shakhtar wanted to, because he was on loan at Leon. Shakhtar wanted to get him back probably and, and up his fee, I suppose, essentially in the summer and get get more of a bidding war. Um, but I thought that Villa might have been interested in him. I thought he fitted the Premier League uh, when I looked at him. And I was saying, I said in my pre-match, I said, I hope this guy doesn't prove me right in this game, but goes on to score 10, ga- 10 goals over the course of the rest of the season. And what does he do? I thought he had a really good game. I thought he looked really good. I thought their left-back, Christensen, looked really good. I thought he just knew how to defend one-on-ones, albeit Bailey just, Bailey, Bailey was very average against him. With, with, with Bailey had one of those games again where he can't do anything right. Yeah, it was just, he, sh- he just kept on trying to run through him. Um, at times, but Kristen, uh, it was like as if Christensen, the first, uh, sorry, we've gone completely off topic here, but the first one or two, dri- that's what do. the first one or two dribbles that Bailey had at him, um, Christensen was really good and, and he got in the way and Bailey tried to go down, go down the side. And then after that, it was like it became a personal battle between Bailey and him as opposed to maybe keep going down wide, keep trying to get in around him. He tried to go through him and then it became, a, it, it almost became a kind of a, an aggression style with his running. But um, getting back to Tete, yeah, that goal that he scored, as I say, um, I, 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 you're not wrong to think that Martinez should have stayed standing up. Um, I just don't know how much of a difference it would have made in that moment. And I seem to be going off the screen. No, going back to yeah, I mean, according to the, what I'm looking at here, he's called Cardoso Lemos Martins is his, his actual name, but they've shortened it to Tete, as that is a little bit of a mouthful, and you won't get that on the back of the shirt. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, Villa have gone from a position of being 2-1 up. Oh, Neil's gone again. Villa have gone from Do a I position of, of being 2-1 up, and then somehow, inexplicably, going in 3-2, not really learning from, from mistakes, because as I say, that third goal was the accumulation of, the, the first two goals, in, in in my opinion, there was elements of the first two goals in the third goal that we gave away. So the changes are made at half time, which, which we've discussed with hindsight. 
I think taking Jacob Ramsey off was a mistake. I always think he should be, he should be on the pitch for us. I think he provides us something unique. He's a spark for us. I prefer the way he runs with the ball for Villa than anyone else in our team. And Jacob Ramsey was was taken out and Bailey left on. Bailey didn't have a good game. So as I say, with hindsight, perhaps Bailey could have come off right rather than uh, rather than Ramsey. Villa huffed and puffed in the in the second half. Played some nice football at times. There was again like there was in the defeat to Liverpool. There was a spell where we had just had loads of the ball and Leicester couldn't get out, but we didn't capitalize. Well, actually, we did score, but it but it was offside from Coutinho. Bailey had nice an finish. Yeah, Bailey had one as well that didn't manage to elevate any any power into it, and I think it was about face that that ended up clearing it. But you know, it's three two, and you still think here Leicester are quite weak weak minded. I, I feel like mentally Leicester can be got out the longer these games on, the further they're going to sit back, they're going to invite us on. Mm. They're down near the near the bottom. They're not the best defensively. If we if we stay at one goal behind going into the last ten minutes, can we nick a point here? Can we do something? Because I guess at half time, I still fancy us to go on and win just because I, I know of Leicester's fragility. So but then, of course, no, we can't do that. 79th minute. I can't, the kind, I mean, actually, I've not even said that at the start of the second half, Leicester should have put the game to bed because they're going to chose Mr. Sitter. And Teta, I think it was, went went close as, as well. We were lucky again, actually, I didn't score that one-on-one because it should have been. That ball was too easy through the whole through the whole game. I said something on Twitter that the midfield was too easy to play through. Centre-backs were as well. The middle of the park in general was too easy to play through. I thought Louise was good going forwards. I thought defensively, the two defensive midfielders and the centre-back didn't have a good day. And the ball, the kind of an aimless ball or a hopeful ball, I would say, over the top for the fourth. That ball shouldn't be that easy to play anyway, but Moreno's there on the same to deal with it. Doesn't deal with it. Again, Martinez comes flowing out, and I would say, again, does he need to come out that quickly? Gets gets nowhere near it, and Pratt scores and puts the ball in the back of the net and puts, puts the game to bed. So... Again, it's a case of we just didn't learn from anything throughout the game because if we made if we made a mistake, we we, we did we went and made the same mistake again and conceded again. So Villa just didn't learn anything throughout that whole game, Neil, because the, the fourth goal was pretty similar to the third, really. Yeah, and and Unai cut that figure in his post match afterwards that that that'll be the most annoying thing for him. Uh, like you know, teams lose, and Aston Villa lose more than most teams. You know, so. I, I don't think we'd any divine right to win any games, obviously. But the fan base are upset yesterday. And they're upset because we conceded four goals. And they're upset that we conceded four similar goals. You know, a lot of the comments I've been getting on on Twitter, and you can't you can't disagree with them, are that we learn nothing. This back four learns nothing. Um I've seen uh I've seen splash screens up of when Dean Smith was here. You know, they were down, the, the, the defensive performances of the team were down 20, 19th in the league and stuff like that. It's difficult to, uh, to, to I suppose, for that consistency to be changed overnight under Unai Emery. Um, and and the, like issues of defending have gone back three years in this team. Since, it's gone back since we've, since we've come to the Premier League. Um, save for that, that first quarter of the season under, under Dean Smith when we were on that run and obviously the 7-2 and so on. But... Um, yeah, like that's the frustrating part, Dan, and and, that, and that's really the, what what this game will be remembered for: the lack of of uh, leadership is what I'm going to say. The lack of on-field leadership to be able to turn around and say, "Right, lads, we have to go on two-one up." We can we conceded a howler of a first goal. We go on, in here. Sorry to interrupt you. There's, there's leaders on the pitch, though. Martinez, know, Young, Mings—they're three leaders, I would say. They're they're all they're all leaders. Well. 
it, well, then in this game, our leadership has let us down. If, if you're saying that Martinez came out and could have done better, Mings could have done better, and Ashley Young was part of that back four. Okay, Ashley Young wasn't to blame for any of those. And we mentioned Luke Dean might be part of the leadership group as well. You know, if it's our leaders that are making mistakes, then where's the leadership coming from on the field after them is, is, is the question, you know? Like John Terry, you go, you go back to John, John Terry type there. He maybe doesn't make those mistakes, and that's why he's a fantastic leader. Or if he does make mistakes, he learns from it. I, I don't know. It's, as I say, it's like you can't concede four similar goals like that and then not and 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 have that atmosphere of being fully in control of, they're four, they're four um, really bad goals they are four really bad really goals bad. You can't just, and i understand the reaction to the goals that we've conceded but i do think the overall reaction is a little bit dramatic because you'd think by some, the way some people are speaking we'd lost five in eight but we've actually won five five in eight games and the way we're playing and the style of football emery's trying to implement there probably will be games like this but we will win games as well. But we have won games play, playing that way. So you've got to take the rough with the smooth a little bit. I think the problem is, is that it now, because we haven't strengthened in January, really, it now is like, right. That's we're on. the other point, Dan. Yeah. That's that, the that, other and, you know, from that point of view, yesterday is the, the, the worst kind of game we could have had straight after the transfer window because people are upset about the transfer window. I think and another game's coming. And, oh yeah, too, but you know, I would, I wouldn't bet against us picking something up in either either of those games. I think Man City can be got at, and you know, Arsenal have lost yesterday, albeit a different kind of defeat. Man City aren't the team that they've been over the last couple of years at, at the moment. They've they've got a fragility in there. I'm sure they'll sort it out by the time the weekend comes. But there is a fragility there at the moment. But I think the, I think one of the main points of angst for the Villa fans is that this time last year, kind of, even though we did strengthen in January, but the Steven Gerrard second half of the season, there was a lot of credence put on, I need the summer, I need the summer. Now, Emery's not saying that in his in his defence, he's not saying that at all. He's preferred to wait till the summer to get in the players that he wants, the type of players, the type of quality that he wants, which if that's what he's decided, Unai Emery to me has, has earned the right in his career to, to make that decision. And I don't think we can argue it argue it too much. If there'd been a player there that he'd wanted, the club would have bought it. So from the from people behind the scenes as well, Fair enough, you know, that they were prepared to back the manager. The manager has decided himself that I don't want to do anything in January because there isn't the right profile of player. But because we were in this position this time last year of kind of writing off a season, I think there's a few similar, although I think it's very different, there is a few similarities. So I think that's where the frustration's coming from a little bit, if that makes sense. I agree. Yeah, it's, there's, there, there is a bit of, I was asked to wait last year. I'm being asked to wait again this year. How yeah. much longer do I have to wait for? And that's completely understandable. Um, the prices you know, and stuff have gone up as well, haven't they? So that, again, that doesn't this help. This is it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's completely... From being a Cleveland Browns fan in the NFL as well, um, you can only be asked to wait for so long. And and as I say, with this, I think, though, uh, my, my thought process on it is Unai Emery is worth waiting for because he's an actual manager as opposed to somebody who is an, who is who was a perceived aura coming in and we all knew would have had to well i suppose we all hoped wouldn't have but in our heart of hearts knew would have had to learn how to play in the premier league and when you look at the results una emery has got um since he's come in you look at the results like the sean dyche well the the results that sean dyche has gotten since he's come in you know there's a big argument to be made uh about you know that you need to you need to have your apprenticeship in the premier league or in uh, in a league culpable uh, comparable to the premier league 
prior to prior to taking on the job because sometimes the big names don't they don't work out and and, and as I say um I'm happy to wait for Unai Emery for the for the summer Time. but as you say there will be a big magnifying glass over the club from its own fans this summer and uh, and that's okay too I think the club can rise and meet the meet the moment for it. But trouble is where Gerard burnt this club like um, an unbelievable amount for many many ways but uh, you know the, the fans have been were served up a lot of dross in the period of six to eight months and Unai Emery's kind of he doesn't deserve to but because of those frustrations are carried on he'll probably there'll be more frustration aimed at him and or aimed at the team at the moment his team at the moment than maybe there should be because we've been burnt because it was such a bad appointment the, the club lost a year at least with, with that appointment and then they're fortunately they've picked up a manager that I think over time will get that year back because I think we will we will accelerate under under this manager because he is a renowned manager. He's a he's a, a world level manager, Unai Emery. But I get I can get the frustrations. The atmosphere yesterday was a strange one, really, because I do think the crowd was behind for for, for long parts of the game. And, and I don't, when you make four mistakes for goals, there's there's going to be frustrations. But there there is a low tolerance level at Villa Park anyway. I'm not just talking about yesterday. I'm just just talking about in general. So. Sometimes and you know, Unai is talking about trying to make that connection, and I feel he's really trying. And I do, I don't, I'm not having to go at the fans at all because, as I say, yesterday four goals were bad. But I do think, as a fan base at the games, we can do a little bit more. I just think, it, we, I think Unai Emery's he's owed that a little bit. Five wins from eight from the fixtures we've had is still a fantastic return, and way more than anyone could have possibly predicted. If you look at those fixtures, I don't think even the most optimistic Villa fan would have predicted five wins from eight in those games. I didn't then. No, so yeah, and you, and you are optimistic, and I'm pretty optimistic as well. Although I definitely been be, beaten out of me over the years because I'm nowhere near as optimistic as I would have been a few years ago. But if you look at you take away yesterday and just look at the fact that we've won five in eight, there's progress made. And even yesterday, having lost, I still saw things in the game that I liked from Villa. It was the same when we lost to Liverpool. I still saw things that I, that I liked there when we were losing under the previous manager. I was saying nothing that I liked at all. We were losing and I hated it. You know, although I didn't enjoy yesterday because we've been turned over 4-2 and we've given away silly goals, I can still see that, you know, there is things there. We are trying to play a certain way. It's not gone well, but we are trying to play a certain way. We are dangerous when we attack. So there, there are things to, to hang your hat on. And we did get to see a new striker as well. A brief cameo from him, but he, he looked pretty lively in, in the latter stages of the game when he came down old Jahan Duran. Yeah. And I think that's probably the way it is. Uh, and I'm not telling you we should finish the podcast now, but uh, maybe it's finish it on, on a positive. It's coming to an end. It, 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 okay, well, finishing on a positive, I think, is, is the right thing to do because Emi Buendia had one of his best games in a bit of short yesterday. Philippe Coutinho comes on. He looked lively. That ball that he played through for Ollie Watkins when I really, you know, and, and and it's the one, it frustrated me more than the one that the keeper got a touch there where it didn't hit off him and go into the back of the net because... He, it was looked like he was gun shy. He went to take a shot and he faked it, and then took another touch. And Harry Souter gets his leg in uh, to to take that ball away from him. And um, the Leon Bailey chance that you mentioned, um, the Jacob Ramsey chances in the first half. I think there was a, the chance creation we had was was very promising yesterday. Yeah, we created like Moreno created a lot of chances when he came on. He I thought good. Coutinho looked looked good and, and okay, but as I said, we just couldn't put it in the back of the net. It would have done Coutinho so much good to have that goal. I do wonder what would have happened if that had counted. That would have really boosted him. I think I think you could almost see the relief in his celebration. 
coming out oh. of him and then it's been, it's been obviously it was offside it's it, it's been taken away he just needs something to just go right for in Coutinho and it maybe just kickstarts his time at Villa a little bit I don't think it's lack of effort I, I really don't we know he's got a bit ability mm. it's just for whatever reason not being not being clicking in, into gear I, mean, I don't think it helped him being relied upon to provide the magic the magic moments in Steven Gerrard's system before I think that's probably not helped him yeah at all and I know you were trying to end the, the podcast on a positive but I'd, I did notice something at the, at the game yesterday which is a little bit of a negative but it was just something that I picked up on and, and, and I noticed and it was just that Matty Cash replaced Ashley Young and there was a few things he did and I'm not you know I probably wouldn't have even said they were that bad Unai Emre was losing his mind at cash a couple of times on on, on the touchline for, for whatever he was doing. So I think that says a lot about maybe why Ashley Young is perhaps doing more of what Unai Emery wants, tucking in than, than perhaps Matty Cash is, because, yeah, Emery threw his arms up in the air and lost his call at cash a couple of times, I, I noticed, dur during the game. So that's something to keep, keep your eye upon. I, would, I wouldn't expect Matty Cash to be coming back in the team anytime soon if, if uh, Emery's reaction to a couple of elements of his play is anything to go by. A few people in the comments talking about about the atmosphere. Um, what was the one I saw? That, yeah, the booing at half-time, Stuart Todd. I, I don't get that. It's never been something that... I think you can discount the relegation season because I think I probably did do it then. But you know, booing at booing at booing at half time, especially when you've when you've just won was it five from seven at the time as well. Yes, we're all upset that it's we were two one up and we're three two down. But I never understand booing at half time. That's not something that um I've ever understood. Craig Kempson, we're not going to be winning every game. Emery is making us better, but we can't win everything. I think there are enough Ex positives to take from the game that we accept the occasional loss and move on. That's where I'm at. That's Great. where I'm at with it, Craig. You've explained it probably better than I did. If you fancy hosting a podcast, let, let me know, because obviously you'd be better at it than me, because you've articulated that way better than I tried to about, about five minutes ago. Um, yeah, so that does us. Thanks to Neil for joining me from his childhood bedroom. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I think we've unpicked that game pretty well, actually. I, I've enjoyed talking to you. Aston Villa 2, Leicester 4. Don't know why I felt the need to regurgitate the score. We all know what the score was. Thanks ever so much to Purity for continuing to sponsor us. If you use the if you use the code hashtag Villaview, you'll get 10% off everything that Purity have to offer. What's the schedule looking like for the Villaview? So tomorrow, hopefully, well, we are doing it, so it should be the return of 1870. There goes Neil again. The return of 1874. It'll be on the Villaview's YouTube, and I believe Neil is now in charge of audio distribution as well. So it should be on all audio platforms as well, because I know that was how 1874 used to be with Greg Evans, so we're making sure that gets on on the audio on the channel as well. So if you've missed 1874, or even if you've never listened to it in your life, Greg from The Athletic and myself will be recording a podcast tomorrow talking all things Villa. Omar and myself are supposed to be doing a transfer video at some point as well. We'll get that in the schedule. And then, of course, we'll be back with the match preview on Thursday for the Man City game, and then the Stato preview as well on Friday. So plenty of stuff coming up on the Villa View, as I say, trying to ramp it up at the moment and get pretty much daily content out there. We've got a bit of a schedule going. We're doing our best. We're trying to make things happen. So, yeah, bear with us, and there'll be plenty of content for you this week. Again, thanks to Neil. Thanks to Adam as well. No mistakes. Absolute unbelievable scenes from, from Adam. The Villa back four have an absolute nightmare, and the producer has his best game ever. So, yeah, hopefully it's back to normal with Adam having a nightmare next weekend and Villa being solid and defending astutely. Thanks ever so much for watching Up the Villa. Podcast Network.